Hey there, I'm Jacob Harmon from Website Squirrel. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of TrustCast. Today's a different day for me because I'm going to be talking to a fellow web designer, and he is the first web designer that I've had on the podcast, so I'm excited to nerd out about websites a little bit. As you know, I'm really a website nerd, so I'm excited to have you here, Nicholas. How are you doing today? Man, I am good. I, I Honestly, I'm honored. I didn't realize I was going to be the first web designer on your show. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm I don't know how that worked like, out. I'm stoked to be here now. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. No, I don't even know how that happened. Now. That's awesome. I've talked to all kinds of marketers and people who own agencies that do web design, but it's never been like their main thing. So we're definitely going to have to talk about that today. Yeah. Well, that's our list because, you know, that's, as you know, that's what I do. That's what you do. And just like you, man, I could could talk about websites for hours. It's actually probably what I'm going to be talking about at Thanksgiving and the family is going to be like, okay, we're, we're done with this conversation. So yeah, let's, let's talk websites, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and I don't even remember how we got connected, but I, I feel like, yeah. I feel like you're one of my friends. I don't think we've ever met in person, but we've, we've talked multiple times. We've been on the phone together. Like, I don't even know how that started though. Do you? Yeah. So I had a project, um, three years ago now and I, I forget, but I, I reached out to you to get help on that one. And I think it was, oh, that's right. Little, okay overwhelmed and just needed extra help on projects. I just had multiple projects going on and I was like, Oh, Jacob, I've seen him in the Webflow group. He makes awesome stuff. I'll reach out to him. Plus he's kind of local ish. Uh-huh. Jacob. And so then I started talking to you and you're awesome and you're a killer web designer. So I was like, perfect. This is awesome. And then, yeah, we did that one project together and then we've been friends since then. That's right. I, I completely I forgot talk, but- that I did work for you. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was like three years. That was almost three years ago, like on the dot. Wow, time flies. We wrapped that project up in January twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. Yeah, January. That sounds about right. Maybe twenty twenty. I don't remember. Something. Two or three years is somewhere in there, right? That's cool. And and since then, I mean, we've talked a couple of times, and it's usually talking about our businesses and our agencies and what's working over there, what's, what's not working. And so that we can kind of bounce ideas off each other. And it's been, it's been really great to have a fellow agency owner to, to chit chat with. So yeah, that, that's been awesome. Sometime we need to actually get together and go, go out to lunch or something. So, Oh, we will, we will do that. I, I think I owe you lunch for all, all the guidance you've given me on Webflow things over the years. <laughs> so yeah, no lunch. My treat for my my treat for sure on that. But yeah, it's it's so funny you say that because I make a point. I, I like go out of my way to talk to as many agency people as I can. And if anyone's gotten a weird message from me on LinkedIn, I'm sorry. But for me, I, I'll just randomly see people on LinkedIn and I like a post from them, and I'm like, hey, let's chat. And I I so don't mean it as like a you know sales things. I don't mm-hmm. think to sell them. It's more of just like, hey, I like what you do. Let's let's have a conversation like this. Let's, you know, let's learn, right? Every every agency out there is so unique. Your agency is totally different than mine, mm-hmm. right? And so we have these these things that we can share with each other. And you know, people get kind of guarded. They're like, oh no, I'm trying to I'm trying to be successful. And it's like, cool, me too. Let's let's yeah. do it together then. Like, the cake's big enough for everybody, man. And and it's so funny. I, I have these conversations with people so much, and I love them. They're so fun. They're they're cool. You meet cool people that are just like like you and I, and you learn something, right? And the other person learns something too. So it's kind of a win win for everybody. 
Yeah. It's awesome. I, it's amazing. And you mentioned a couple things there that I want to dig into a little more. But I'm, I'm just uh, preloading the rest of the show. <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's my secret. I just let people talk, and then as they talk, I write down notes. Of, of things to talk about. So, <laughs> but first off, LinkedIn. I mean, we can talk about that for an hour if we wanted to. Uh, but I tend to not jump on calls with people on LinkedIn because it is such a, such a salesy platform. All the time, I get messages from people saying, "Hey, I'd like to grab fifteen minutes of your time." I've jumped on a couple of those calls. 99% of the time, it is a very, very, very cold sales call with something that I am not qualified for. I'm not a qualified lead for them. And it's just a waste of my time. So my question to you is how, how do you do reach out? And then how do you actually help someone trust you enough to jump on one of those calls on a platform as interesting as LinkedIn? That's a good question. And usually it just happens by random. I never like... Be like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to five people today. I don't do it like that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always been like I, I see a post or something or someone comments on one of my posts. And we just have a couple comments back and forth on whatever. And honestly, it goes either way. Like I'll, I'll sometimes message people and be like, hey, just following up with that. Like, really like this. And then we'll just have a conversation and whatnot. And then it's like, well, actually, why don't we just have an actual conversation? Or vice versa, they message me after it. It's never just out of the blue. Like, there's always something that, like, leads up to it, like Mm -hmm. conversation and comments on their post, my post, something. And then it's kind of like, you know, taking it off of the the public commenting side and actually getting it more in that that DMs. Because, you know, comments are cool, but that can get kind of annoying and get kind of off topic. And so if it gets off topic, then it's like, I'll just message them or something or yeah i don't know i i just try to help people as much as i can and especially for me if i see a post that i have you know insight on or if someone's asking for help guidance feedback blah 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 i'll comment on it and then potentially if there's a reason for me to message them i'll message them privately and and have a conversation there so I think that's a really good approach, especially with the topic of this podcast being trust. The reason I don't trust most of the people that reach out to me on LinkedIn is because they've never interacted with me at all before then, right? But if I've had a comment with someone and I I say something, then they respond and then I respond and then they respond and then they send me a message and say, hey, thanks for commenting on my post. Like, I'd like to dig in further or something. Then, of course, I'm going to answer, right? But if it's just... They send me a connection request, I accept, and they immediately say, hey, you want to jump on a 15-minute sales call? I'm like, no, of course I don't. Yeah, yeah. just because I accept your accept your friend request does not mean I'm a warm lead. That's like the <laughs> best way to put it right there. Because yeah. it's, it's so true. I mean, the, the worst part for me is when I can see that they're templated. Like, mm-hmm. I, I literally have screenshots of getting two connection requests on LinkedIn with the exact same intro, like back to back. And I'm just like, how, how do you think mm-hmm. that's going to work? Like, no, it's never going to work. That's, that's not a chance that's going to work with anybody. Yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not how it goes. It's like, just have an actual conversation with somebody. And I, even, even those conversations where that we go from like having a conversation on a post or whatever to, to DMs, even then the objective was never to like get on a call. Mm-hmm. It's it's always something like following up with the conversation, just keeping that conversation going. And then eventually it's like, hey, actually, why don't we just hop on a call? You seem like you have good information. And honestly, though, I mean, I would say more often than not, people are asking me to hop on the call and just kind of goes from there. I mean, I don't know. I, I like to talk to everybody. I'm a talker. You'll, you'll learn that on the show because I'll probably not stop talking. <laughs> No uh, worries. I, I like you're to talk good. to people. I've even posted a few times about how important I think it is to talk to other agency people. And I, yeah, I, I talk about that. I just think so many people don't do that. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been probably the most helpful thing in the world. Yeah. And, and that actually leads into the exact other thing that I wanted to follow up with you on your first comments was the idea of competition. Uh, you mentioned oh. that there's a big enough cake for everyone. And I agree. Um, But a lot of people don't see it that way. Uh, A lot of people would think, my goodness, Jacob owns a website design agency. Nicholas owns a website design agency. Why are they talking to each other? Like, they should be cutthroat trying to destroy each other at this point. And I just don't see business that way. And obviously, you don't either. But I'd like to dig in a little more to that. What's your philosophy on competition? Like I said, cake's big enough for everybody. 
right? Number two, don't burn bridges, right? There's You never know, like, when I might need help or, or when you might need help, and I'm going to call someone that I can trust, right? And, again, I'm going to trust someone who's in my shoes. He knows exactly, like, what to do. And I think the the, the bigger thought here is, is, like, kind of think of it as an example, right? So I, I'm not a huge TV person, but I will, I will admit my guilty pleasure lately has been watching Million Dollar Listing New York City, if anyone's watching that show, watch it. It's amazing. I love it so much. But I, I, I learned a statistic the other day. So in, in New York City, there's like eight, a little over eight and a half million people who live in New York City. Like, it's a humongous city, right? To put it in perspective, there's 60,000 realtors. 60,000 realtors in New York City. Wow. That's the same concept as web design agencies, marketing agencies, whatever, with businesses. There are so many more businesses out there than there are website agencies or marketing agencies or whatever. Yeah. Just like realtors, those realtors are making a living. You have some that are doing a billion a year in real estate. You've got some that are doing a million a year in real estate. There's only one house in New York, right? But in reality, like like that person's still making a living, and there's someone who needed that person to buy that, that person's client didn't go to the billion-dollar brokerage. They went to the, the million-dollar realtor, right, who's just getting started. And so I think it's the same way, right? Like, your clients are probably not the right fit for me. My clients are probably not the right fit for you. Every client is super unique. And I think that's really my philosophy is, like, every client needs something different, right? Your clients might not vibe with me, mm-hmm. just but they, they might love you. I'm sure they love you because everyone loves you. But that's kind of like my thoughts is there's clients I've had that, you know, we just don't get along and we part ways and they go to another agency. Like, that's fine, right? There's clients that come to me for the exact same reasons. I don't know how many businesses are there, but there's so many more than Mm -hmm. agencies. Yeah. And that's my thought. Even to drill down further on that, you have different kinds of agencies at different levels, right? So the small little, you know, one, two, three people team versus the huge 100-person team, that's even further apart because the client who's going to go to a 100-person agency is a lot different than someone who's going to go to a three-person team. That's not competition. Might as well be on different planets, different businesses, right? One to three people, you work with different kinds of clients. So even then, we're still not competitors. Totally. And at the end of the day, too, like one of the things that I always think about is... I probably couldn't take on very many more clients, even if they were there. Like, if I had a hundred clients knocking down my door, I'd be like, I can't take y'all, you know? Send them um, our way. We can, we can do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll send them over to Nick. But, but, but there's a certain capacity that my agency can handle. And right now, it's really not that many. I mean, mm-hmm. we can build only so many new websites at a time. And obviously my goal is to scale and grow and hire some more people. And eventually we'll get to the point where we can handle more. But even if every business in the world wanted to use me as their web design agency, that would be a problem, not a good thing. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Like you're, you're totally right. Right. You can only do so much. And so if you're capacity or close to capacity, the other person's like, there's still no competition because you can't grow anymore, right? So then it's like, okay, we got to get away from competition and start thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Yeah. And I have one more thought on competition. So I'm like an Uber Apple fanboy, and a lot of okay. people know that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, Samsung will come out with this awesome new phone. and It's not awesome, the, it's a Samsung. The- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the first thing that'll happen is I'll have a cousin or someone text me because they know that I'm like the Apple guy, right? And mm-hmm. my cousin will text me or some other person and say, hey, did you see the new Samsung? It's awesome. And they they are almost saying it as in like, you should be angry at this because you're the Apple guy. And I'm like, no. Actually, when Samsung does something amazing, it makes me happy because that means Apple has to work that much harder to try to outperform them, right? And mm-hmm. so, in my opinion, competition is a good thing. And that's a, it's a very capitalistic uh, standpoint, but I believe that it's true, is competition encourages us all to perform at our best. The lack of competition is when I start to worry. If, if there was no competition in the web design space, then I'd probably start to design crappy websites, right? Because that's <laughs> just human nature. If everybody was coming to me, 
and there was no competition and no need for me to make an awesome website, I probably would do worse at my job. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think competition is a great thing. So here's, I guess here's actually another thought that kind of goes along with what you're saying in a kind of a different avenue. So I will admit that I'm probably the most competitive person I know. You know how most people, if they were to play basketball with like a little kid, they'd probably let little kids, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I probably would not let them score. Like no joke. I'm that competitive. Uh-huh. Maybe depends on the kid, but I'm so competitive and that, and that comes from growing up. So I, I grew up racing motocross, tried to get my supercross card, got hurt, didn't do that. Turned to cycling Raced professionals as a bicycle rider, moved to the Netherlands to do that. So competition, like, is everything to me. Dude, that's awesome. But <laughs> when it comes to my business, the only person I'm competing with is myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a conversation. So I actually just got back from a business trip yesterday. And I had a conversation with one of our partners out in Nashville. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, for me, business is not, like, a way to make money. It is, right? But... I don't think of it that way. I think of like my business really is a game. To me, this is a sport. Like I went from, from trying to be a professional dirt bike racer to being a professional cyclist. I just have a sport now, right? So like business is my sport. And that's how I think about it is in that sense, like I'm not trying to squash anybody else. Like if I was a cyclist saying, I w- all I want to do is beat this person, I would beat him and then I'd have no goals after that. Right. Right. But in a, in a business sense, only person I want to beat is me. If I can beat me, I'd do good today. And that's how right. I think about it. It's like I, all I want to do is, is be better than myself every single day. And so for me, I take that, that competitiveness. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs are very, very competitive. I don't think you could really be an entrepreneur without being competitive in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I really think that like knowing who you're competing against is probably the better move than – like you and I are not competing. The only person I'm competing with is me. As yeah. long as I can do that, I'm good to go. That's an awesome way to look at it. Just out of curiosity, what kind of metrics do you measure yourself on to know that you're getting better? Is it revenue <laughs> per month, per year, or is it more just like, okay, I have a feeling that this is that my business is growing or getting better or my processes are improving? Like how do, how do you measure success? So I'm going to say this is like a half joke. I'm joking, but I'm also not joking. I don't look at my revenue. I look at my expenses. Kind of. Ooh, interesting. Um, okay, tell me more. There's a few there's a few things I look at. So number one, payroll. Payroll is one of my biggest metrics. The bigger my payroll gets, the bigger my team's getting. If my team's getting bigger, that means we're growing. Boom. Huh. My goal is to pay if I could pay a million dollars a paycheck. Let's do it. That means I did a really, really good job of building a really big business because to be able to pay a million dollars per per paycheck, I have a million dollars to do that. Right. You have to so have the cash flow. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, I, I, I pay attention enough to know that. But to me, like that's a huge metric. And so when I have really good pay periods, that means like, we did a really good job. So hmm. especially when we had our, our sales team, which we'll talk about that later. But that's 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 a huge metric for me. Other metrics I have are are obviously closing rates. That's something we've done a really, really good job on with our inbound versus our closing rates. Um, so now we're all inbound. We don't have any outbound. So that's a big one we look at. And that's something I always try to get better at. It's like, what's what's my lead cadence? How often am I getting new leads? That's a huge one for me. Um, and then obviously how often am I closing them? But that kind of goes hand in hand. The other one what I would say is, is project completion. So processes is like, how many projects do we have? How many are we completed? Are they completed on time? How fast do we do them? Uh, that's another big one. Other one is I've been doing, I've been failing at this lately in a sense, but it's how much I'm actually working. Hmm. So now we're at the point where I don't do most of our fulfillment, right? We've got four people, three people doing fulfillment. And so I'm not necessarily in the trenches every single day. I pick up slack as needed. But to me, it's like, how much am I actually working? How much am I working in the business? How much am I working on the business? How much am I not working at all? That's the kind of stuff I'm looking at, right? So lately I've been failing because I've been trying to do some new stuff with, with the agency and whatnot. But aside from that, aside from that growing kind of stuff, how much am I actually needed day to day? That's a huge thing. And I don't have a good way to measure that. Like I don't have like a time checker or anything like that. But that's really what I look at. How much am I working personally? 
because if I, if I don't have to work at all, I mean, obviously I, that would be pretty cool, but I keep working. So I like to, I like to work on like what to do, but that means that my team is dialed. That means every other aspect of the business is dialed. And to me, that's a huge metric to think about as an entrepreneur is if you can step away from the business, you're doing a good job. If you can't, where, where do you need to improve? Is it your sales? Is it your fulfillment? Is it your whatever your management is? Whatever that is, how can I step away? And so if I can step away, we're good. Yeah. That's, that's what I look at. That's how I measure things. That's awesome. That's probably one of the best answers I've I've ever heard on the show. I really like that. And maybe that's just because it's so relatable to where I'm at right now, because that's literally what I'm working on. I mean, the listeners of this podcast know that I recently rebranded my business and it used to be JMH Media and now it's Website Squirrel. But we've made a lot of changes. And part of that was because with JMH Media, those were my initials, Jacob Michael Harmon. Like, that's me. And I'm trying to get to the point where I can not be doing all the production. And so mm-hmm. just listening to that was really, really helpful to me. Uh, thank you, because that's where I'm headed. Uh, not quite there yet, but that's kind yeah, of where neither. all of this is leaded. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. So, so 253 is really like a personal thing for me. So it's kind of like my identity. I've got the number tattooed on my arm. That's the number I grew up racing motocross with. 253 is me. And, uh, and so it's kind of the same thing where I, I don't want to rebrand them. Uh, we'll keep it under. We'll it it's, it's funny because as I think about like other businesses I want to start, or as I've got a couple of side projects I, I'm working on, and as I think about those, the first thing that pops in my mind is how can I factor two five three into this? How can this be <laughs> under like under the two five three umbrella? And uh, yeah, I don't. It's it's kind of funny because I'm I like I love it. Like that's that's me. Yeah. So, and I know that when I'm when I'm you know. 50 and I have multiple companies that are just going to be the 253 umbrella. And then maybe each one of those will have its own name, but 253 umbrella for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I may be giving you more calls as I work on this transition and try to figure out how to phase myself at least out of the main production piece. Cause right now I do the majority of the production in our business and, mm-hmm. and ev- eventually I'd like to kind of dial that back a bit. So I may be, I may be calling you up more for that. Um, Let's do it. That's, that's <laughs> the fun part. One of the coolest moments for me as an entrepreneur, I'm like, okay, I'm actually like kind of on the right track here is when I sold the project or actually, no, it was not when I sold the project. It was when I had someone else sell a project, didn't touch it and didn't touch the project. The project was done and delivered on time. Wow. And I was like, oh, that was cool. I didn't right? do a like, thing was, and I just made money. <laughs> yeah. That was like, that was the coolest thing. Like haven't quite been able to get that every single time yet, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. If you can do that, like you're, you're set. For sure. And uh, you talked a little bit about inbound sales versus outbound sales. I'd like to dive really deep into that because I know that you used oh, to do a lot do more outbound. I know that you hired a, a sales team. I've been following your sales team on LinkedIn. And I know that that was a big focus of your business. And now it sounds like that's changed. So I, I'd like to kind of hear the story. What happened there and why did it change? And what results have you seen? Yeah, so last year, so 2020, we were outbound driven. Had some inbound, you know, a little bit, but but not really, right? And the reason why is like, we've, so we've been in business for like five years, but we did like a total, complete 180 rebrand about three years ago now, almost three years ago. And, and so because of that, like, we started from zero, basically. And so obviously no one knows who we are, so there's no inbound. And so started to get things rolling, all outbound, right? We hired a couple good people who were, were awesome. That, that was good, but my whole goal was inbound, right? And, and there's a few reasons why. Number one, typically with inbound, the sales process is a lot shorter. The invoice is higher. And you're not having to, like, sell them, right? It's, mm-hmm. This person's coming to me because they want to work with us. Mm-hmm. Why not work with more people that want to work with us, right? They came to us for a reason. Let's work with them. And so that's a huge thing. And so I had this, this vision of this year I wanted to be 90% inbound. Okay, so let's, let's take that for a second. and Because right now we're 100% inbound and, you know, we're still growing, which has been really cool. 
Um, and we can talk if you want to. We can talk about like some of the ways we've done that and whatnot. I'm sure other people will probably want to know because it's a question I get asked almost mm-hmm. every single time I talk to an agency. <laughs> but that being said, we don't have a sales team at all anymore. I'm closing all of our deals. I'm working with those clients for a number of reasons. Some people moved on to other opportunities. Some people moved on to other opportunities internally. So like all good there. Totally cool. But now we're at the point where it's like, okay, let's get a little bit more, right? Let's get a little bit of outbound, especially for me is like my goal is to work less in the business, mm-hmm. right? I want to work on the business. I want to, I want to do a little bit less day to day, have to be here nine to five. Like I don't want to do that. I have, I have other things that need to be done right now that I'm just neglecting in a sense because I have to do some of that day-to-day stuff. And so now getting back to trying to hire the sales team again, if anyone's listening to this that wants a job, send me a message. But that's that's kind of my, my, my thing right now. And, and having that good balance, too much of, of one thing is a bad thing, right? Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Inbound, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, I want to be all inbound, but it's a little slow. And don't get me wrong, it's been good, we're growing this year, it's all good. I just want more. You know, it's going back to that me versus me competition, man. I want to do more. And I want to reach more people, I want to, I want to talk to more people, and, and that's really hard to do with income. Yeah. That's a challenge. Unless you're spending a lot of money on ads, that's cool. And you know, we, we do our ads and stuff, we, we can talk about that. But in, inbound's awesome. If, if you can swing inbound, there's a lot of ways to do it. We've tried pretty much every way I could possibly think of doing inbound. And it's awesome. Inbound's really cool. The only challenge is it's a little out of your control. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. So. It almost sounds like you need to find the perfect balance of getting as many inbound cells as you can, but then augmenting those with the perfect amount of outbound cells to hit hit whatever yep. numbers you're wanting to be at. Exactly. And aside from ads, I think ads are kind of a happy medium by themselves kind of thing. Because you can control ads. If you want more leads, spend more money. Right? right, and that's I think the only real inbound outbound strategy. I mean, it's kind of a hybrid there. I don't I don't really consider that inbound. I don't really consider it outbound. I don't know. But other than ads, like that's really the only one you really have control over inbound wise. Other than that, you know, I've had weeks where I've had five inbound deals come in, mm-hmm. and then I've had months where I had zero inbound deals come in. Yeah, it's nothing you did differently. It's just sometimes that happens, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I found in my business that the majority of my inbound uh, leads come from other clients referring people. So as your portfolio of clients grows, then your cadence of inbound sales should go up because it's a a relationships game, right? Especially in the web design world, the majority of my clients come from, hey, who built your website? Oh, Jacob did. He's a really cool guy. You should go talk to him. That's the majority of the people that come to me. And so the more clients I have, the bigger pool of people are out there saying, hey, this dude built my website. And it just takes time. So it's definitely interesting, though, because you got to find that balance. Yeah, and and that's something I I totally agree with. I mean, you know, you look at our sites, it always says Made with Love by 253 Media or Powered by 253 Media or something like that. I think most website agencies do stuff like that. And I have a couple of thoughts on that. So when I'd be I interested started, to hear your thoughts because <laughs> okay. I have some so, thoughts on it too. I <laughs> so when I first started making websites, I didn't do that. Uh-huh. And looking back on it, I like shoot myself in the foot every time I think about that because I wish I would have. Number one, so get deals from it. People are like, who made this website? 253 did. Let's call them. I like this one. We get one or two deals a month just from that stuff. At mm-hmm. least, if not more, which has been really cool. The reason why I don't like it though is it's like, no, this is this is you know it just kind of kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit in the sense of like I'm slapping my name on or like my logo on your on your site, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I try to make it a little you know inconspicuous at the bottom, so it's like smaller, kind of hard to see. You got to look for it. I really try to do that. I don't I have it like big bold. But the one thing I will say, and the reason why I think if any business owner brand out there doesn't want your agency doing that, I would make you think twice. Because if my name is going on it, I want that to be the absolute best website I've ever made. Yep. Every website I put out there is better than the last. Every website our team puts out there is better than the last. It's structurally better. It's faster. It's better branded. It's better looking. It converts better. Blah, blah, blah. And that stamp of approval on there is, I'm not going to put my name behind something that I don't think is the best we've ever done. 
I don't care if it's, you know, a $2,000, $3,000 landing page or a $15,000 custom build. Like, doesn't matter what it is. Like, if, if, it's, if it's a 253 product, it's going to be the best product we've ever made every single time. And that stamp right there holds me accountable, holds our team accountable, because if we put our name on something that's not very good, we can't have that. And mm-hmm. that's something like I hold our team very accountable for. If our name is on it, if it's our brand, if we're building this, it's got to be the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know what that tells me? That tells me that you're the type of agency that I would want to work with as a business owner, right? Thanks. Um, I appreciate because- that. <laughs> like and and you're saying this when you don't need to say this, right? Like you're putting this out into the world on a podcast where nobody's nobody's saying, "Hey, you need to say this thing." And so you mean it. If I go on the internet yeah. and I find a website that has 253 media there at the bottom, I know that you're proud of that site because because you really do mean that. And so that's the type of agency that I would want to work with as a business owner, for sure. Yeah, it's really tough for me to say that because I look back at websites we did two or three years ago that have that. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. And, and see, like, they're, they're not bad sites. Like, if anyone's listening to this, who said we built three years ago, call me. We'll make it even cooler. <laughs> but no, I, I really think that every project should be your best project ever. And even now, we, we bring brands on. I, I We literally have a question, like, internally because we definitely turn away a fair amount of business for, for a number of reasons. And a big factor of that is, do we want this to represent our brand? Do we want Hmm. our name behind this? Is this a brand that we could feature as a portfolio piece? If not, I don't really want it. If if a brand's coming to us, I want to be proud of that brand. Yeah. That's really cool. The other piece of putting your name at the bottom of a website that I'll just mention real quick is it is wonderful for backlinks and SEO. And we don't need to go down the SEO rabbit hole here, but it, it is something to, as you build your business and as you have 10, 15, 20, 100 websites out there that now are all linking back to you, it does help your brand and your website. But the one thing that I think you need to balance is not making it tacky, right? Which you already talked about. Make yeah. it small. Make it humble. You don't need to have your this huge logo that's like pulsing at the bottom of the page, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, I think it's there's nice. ways to do it that are tactful and that are that actually don't tarnish the the website at all. And I think if you do it the right way, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And even to take that a step further, don't make it clash. I see companies out there that I don't want to name any names or anything, but I see companies that put their name on the footer. And it doesn't match the rest of the site. And it's like blatantly obvious that it's different. That frustrates me. I'm like, just at least at least use the color palette. Use the same font. Make it part of the site. My goal as an agency owner is I want my clients to be proud of us. I want them to be proud to work with us. My goal is to build a brand out of this. Or like, oh, you have a 253 site? <sighs> That's pretty cool. That's how <laughs> I think about it. Yeah, yeah, and that takes that takes time to build, but I think you're well on the road to that. So, that's awesome. Thanks, appreciate. Shoot, we're almost forty minutes into this episode, and we've hardly talked oh websites. What did we just do? <laughs> well, we talked websites. We, we talked, talked websites. a little bit of websites, but let's talk a little bit more websites real quick. Let's um, do it. So, because this is Trustcast, what can you do to a website to make visitors trust that brand more? What are maybe the top? I don't know, three or five things that you would say, okay, this website needs to do this in order to instill trust. I'm going to throw out the obvious, like, duh here, and then try and throw in a couple of the sneaky ones, too. Oh, good, good. I'm liking this already. Thing number one, your website doesn't suck. If your website sucks, they're going to assume your product sucks, too. Plain and simple. Like, honestly, it's probably one of the best sales pitches for every agency is, do you want your brand to be represented by something that's not good? Mm Mm-hmm. Great, we got that out of the way. <laughs> Obviously, we want to have you know your performance, speed, all that kind of stuff. If it takes forever to load, it's no one's going to see it. Anyways. Great, cool. Let's get away from that obvious stuff. Real testimonials, real good ones, right? One thing I see a lot of people doing, especially in the e-commerce world for their products, is generic testimonials, reviews, stuff like that. That it's like, are those real? Is that a real thing? Anyone could have wrote this, yeah. Yeah, like I want to. I want to hear something real, right? So I think I think that's a big thing. 
Video testimonials are huge. If I can see someone hmm. getting on here and being like, hey, especially if they can talk for a while and be like, hey, Nicholas and his team over at 253 Media, those guys were so pleasant to work with. You know, Trevin in the website department answered all my questions. He was super fast on emails. Josh over at SEO, man, that guy's a wizard, right? If, if we can have that kind of testimonial, like, that's pretty cool. That's a lot more than great work. Yeah. Right? These guys do great work. Like, that could be anybody. So that's something I, I look at. I think one of the bigger things to think about when it comes to trust is not necessarily what's going to build more trust, what's not going to break trust. Mm. And what I mean by that is let's just think of the first thing you see, your, your hero section, right? Is there a typo? That means you didn't pay attention, right? As a business, you're not paying attention. Like, I don't, I'm going to think you don't pay attention with your entire brand. Things to like, do the Great trust. And I'm going to say I, I will say some of this, these things with a grain of salt because I'm a web designer and so I, I'm very nitpicky with things. Uh-huh. There's so many things that bad e-commerce brands do that people think they should do. Things that drive me nuts are too many pop-ups. Like when you go on a Shopify store, you see in the little bottom left, it's like so-and-so from you know Salt Lake City, Utah just bought this product seven minutes ago. <laughs> really? Who cares? Right? Like, that stuff's just annoying. That's going to break trust with your brand. It's going to annoy people more than help people. Too many pop-ups, too many, like, hey, subscribe here, buy this, buy that. Like, that's too much. Hmm. I think one thing I would say is a little sneaky thing that I think builds trust a lot is education. I've been harping on education a lot lately. And it's so funny is that I don't really see people talking about education. And, and what I mean by education is... Let's build trust in the value of your brand. So people think about add value, build value. What does that really mean? Good example. Let's say you're selling a t-shirt. It's a t-shirt. I can say, this is a black t-shirt, right? Right. Or I can educate you on why this is the best t-shirt you've ever seen, why it's the best t-shirt you've never worn, and why you need to buy the best t-shirt. Education. Mm-hmm. What, what is it about my product that makes it better? Educate, right? It's kind of the same as build value, but I think build value can be all different things because value could be a better price, right? Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily what I mean by education. I think this is especially important for brands that have a very unique product or something that's never really been on the market, something like that. If I can look at it and be like, I know everything about that product from a picture, probably don't need a ton of education. But if I can't look at a single picture and know everything about that product, there needs to be some kind of education there. And that's going to build trust. It's a subtle way that really successful, really popular brands have a leg up on brands that aren't there yet. It can come down to, you know, site performance, speed, price, blah, blah, blah. Come down to a lot of different things. But I would say a very often overlooked thing is people are just not educating their customers enough. Mm -hmm. And that's going to build a lot of trust. Totally. And I, I think that some of the biggest things you can do is just put some thought into the content on your website, right? Like like that education piece. I can't tell you how many clients would come to me and just say, hey, we want a website. I say, great. What content do you got for it? I'm like, uh, we just want a homepage about page and contact page. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, Ooh. great. Warm. We can do that. But like your website's not going to be great then because they're just not putting a lot of thought into it. They're like, I just need a website. Right. Whereas when you think of a brand that really thinks about, here's the content that I want on my site. Here's how I want it displayed. Here's how I like, this is the journey I want my customer to go on. And is that more work? Yes. Does it cost more? Yes. (laughs) But it also is so much more effective when you can really tell a story and really, really make your website something that you're proud of. Right. Yeah. One thing I I will add on there, when it comes down to content, people are like, well, what do I need on my site? What are my customers, what, like, what do they want? I don't know. I'm not a web designer, right? What I always say, best way to, if you want to build an awesome site, that's number one, going to build trust. We can go back to that a little bit and really make it easy for customers to buy. What are questions you can ask? If you mm-hmm. can answer every single frequently asked question and not so frequently asked question, like throughout the site without having to go to the FAQ section, people are going to scroll they're going to see that information and they're going to have their questions answered. And they're going to be like, oh, actually, that's, that's pretty cool. I trust yeah. that. Okay. And that's how I think about content is what's going to answer questions that people have. If my content can sell, if my visuals can sell, if every element of my website can build trust in the sense that's answering questions, build trust doesn't necessarily need to be like 
oh, check out this certificate that says we have the best product, whatever. Answer my questions in your design. Answer my questions in your flow of information. Answer my questions about your product by showing me how it's going to change my life. If you can do yeah. that, design flow of information-wise without having to say, oh, yeah, we were in Forbes. You should buy from us because we were in Forbes. <laughs> That's not trust building. Trust building is solving my problem. Hmm. Yep. Amen, man. We can make this piece brief because I know that I've already taken a lot of your time today, but I want to harp Take a little bit. all the time in the world for you, man. <laughs> I, I want to harp a little bit on Webflow just because Ooh. I have the opportunity to talk to a fellow Webflow user, and I love Webflow so much, and I've never gotten the opportunity to speak about it on this podcast. So this is partially selfish because I want to talk about Webflow, Thanks. but I've never had another Webflow user on here. So oh, why? Man. Webflow, <laughs> because I love it. You know, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rephrase your question there. Why not Webflow? Ooh, I love it. Okay, but no, I mean for reals, I would say honest, and this is gonna sound really dumb because I think Webflow can be kind of complicated. Everything else either was too simple or too complicated, and I think Webflow is perfect for for its simplicity versus its complexity. Uh-huh. There are very few things I can't do in Webflow. Unfortunately, I found something today that I can't do, which drove me nuts. <laughs> Tell me what it is. I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, well, uh, let me let me rephrase that. I can do it. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I found some options that I, I think could be a good thing, but we can talk more about that. It has to do with like data feeds and stuff oh, like yeah, that yeah. that I'm okay. just trying to, trying to figure out that's probably not Webflow's strong suit there, which there are a few downfalls to Webflow. If Webflow is listening to this, Please fix your sliders. They're terrible. <laughs> All oh of the gosh. native elements, to be honest, those were built way back in the beginning of Webflow's <sighs> development, and they've just never upgraded them to work with all the new features, which has drove me crazy, which is why I don't use most of them. Even their container, like, and, and sorry, guys, those of you who aren't web designers and aren't Webflow users, this is probably getting in the weeds. You can, <laughs> you, you can turn it off if you want. But even the simple Webflow container, right? I build my own containers just because... Same. It, something as simple as that, Webflow's built-in elements aren't great. Yeah, I think there's a few elements there that are pretty solid. Um, not the container. Uh, if anyone's looking for a Webflow designer and you're interviewing someone, ask them if they use a container or, or they make their own. That'll answer your question if you should work with them or not. But no, for reals, like, like, Webflow's built-in elements are a little rough. I will admit, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes I will take certain elements, like some of their pre-built elements that are like pretty close to what I'm going to do. It's just faster for me to take that and tweak it. Good example is their pre-built forms or footers. I just take that. It's already got all the elements in there that I want. It's less clicks for me to touch that, right? Yeah. Would I ever keep it as is? Absolutely not. Please don't ever do that. Anyone who's listening to this. But I think that's kind of where their elements are best used for is just to get all the elements you're going to need. So like if you have a form... You need to have a, a, a div block. You're going to have to have a header. You're going to have to have a paragraph. You're going to have to have a grid. You're going to have to have a form block. You're going to have to have a form. Like, it has all those elements. And for me to add all of those elements, click, 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 that's going to take me a few minutes. Or I could just click the pre-build. And I already have all those elements. <laughs> so I think that's pretty good. There are some elements that I'm like, that's a little rough. I don't want to use that. Like the sliders. But that's where cool clonables come in or custom-built stuff comes in. And so that's one thing that's really nice about Webflow is you can do that, right? Like, you can take stuff and tweak it, and I can get a clonable. One thing I will say about clonables is, going back to our trust thing, one of the fastest ways to lose trust is if I've seen your same element on another site. Hmm. That makes me look like you didn't try. And I see that more often than I would like to admit. And that's fine. I know some agencies, you know, they build template sites. Like, that's cool. Like, that's your thing. Totally cool. We don't do that. I'll start scrolling, and I'll see an element, and I'll be like, hey, seen that. I know that element. You can even change the colors. Inspect and, uh, yep, it's Webflow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that a few times, and it, it just makes me laugh. You know, whatever. Everyone has their own thing. But yeah, Webflow, man. Like, I, I'd say the, the, the best thing about Webflow, uh, compared to other platforms, I'm trying to like, narrow down to one thing. I can't. Yeah. Consistency, I would say, is a big one. It's consistently good. Whereas WordPress is really easy to have it break or have something go wrong. Like 
most of our clients for non-e-commerce brands are coming to us from WordPress, and they're like, hey, my website sucks. I need something new. They're on, on WordPress, and Webflow solves mm-hmm. all their problems. Well, there's just so much bloat in WordPress. I'm currently working on a WordPress site for a client. Hopefully, Good. we're going to be able to convince them to move over to Webflow. But they came to us and said, hey, like we just need a couple things tweaked. And I'm like, well, we don't usually do WordPress, but okay, let's, let's help you out. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness. I will spend an entire hour doing something in WordPress, and I'm like, this would have taken me 30 seconds in Webflow. 30 seconds. And, and I'm digging through pages and pages and pages of HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And I'm like, I don't even know where this all connects. Like, it's just so much bloat. And the final website that's rendered on the front end, I'm like, well, shoot, like, this does not need all this code under the hood. What is going on under here? And with Webflow, you basically build it. And I can tell you exactly how that thing's structured. Like, it creates such good, clean, semantic code. It's just amazing. I love Webflow. (laughs) My only complaint with Webflow, and this is, I'm going to say it's a half complaint, half blessing in disguise, is there's no apps. Mm -hmm. Which, I love it and I hate it at the same time. 95% of the time, I absolutely love it because there's nothing that's going to break. Right? There's no other developer that made something that actually wasn't very good or goes out of date or needs to be updated and breaks or whatever. There's none of that. Whereas with, you know, WordPress or even Shopify, we have that issue. Like mm-hmm. we're all that with Webflow, which is really nice. So it goes back to consistency. But that being <laughs> said, there are a few things like data feeds that are just a little trickier. With WordPress, like doing my research today, I found quite a few plugins that are like, oh do this data feed. It takes five seconds. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Wish I had a WordPress. <laughs> But, like, other than a couple little things like that, there's not a lot of things that I can't do with Webflow. And, and that's, I mean, that's my, my biggest thing. I, I do wish that Webflow had some kind of app library of some sort or another. Not, like, WordPress or Shopify, per se, but, like, some kind of approved app of some sort. Mm-hmm. Right for for stuff like data feeds, some kind of nice email functionality where I don't have to embed HTML somewhere or have Zapier or anything like that. I can just have an email app. That would be really nice. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I know where you're coming from. I, I I think from the Webflow side of it, and obviously I don't work at Webflow, so I don't know what they think. But my thought is that they don't want to become WordPress, right? Like I, I I can see how internally they would have a whiteboard, and for every feature they're putting up, they're like, how do we not? become WordPress, like, making this. And I think probably apps have come up multiple times, and they're just like, like, if we open this door, then we're going to just become infested with horrible plugins. And so I think that's what they're afraid of, and I think that it's a good thing that they're afraid of that, but I do mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from, and I think that it's something they could open up a bit more. Did you watch No Code Comp, Comp last week? Or the week no, before? I've been, I've been out of town. I mean, I, I oh, left... Dude. I left for Nashville on, on Wednesday. Actually, I had to leave my house at 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport that's 20 minutes away. Go figure. Early flights. <laughs> um, then I just got back last night. So I have been... Have you seen night. any of the announcements? Oh, yeah. I've been following it. I just haven't listened <laughs> okay. to it yet. Okay, because um, Logic, my goodness, Woo. my mind is blown. I think Logic might fix your problem. So Logic but it doesn't come out until really next cool. year. I know. I'm pretty bummed about that. I like that. I think the blending thing is pretty cool. So the funniest thing about blending is I thought that was already a feature. <laughs> I've never done it. I I guess I've never done it. For whatever reason, I saw that and I was like, that's been there for a long time. How is that not a thing? Yeah. And apparently it's not a thing. And I thought that was no, the, I, thought, I literally started laughing. I was like, that's a thing. I had talked to Trevor and he, he sent it to me and I was like, that's a thing already. He's like, no, it's not. It's just got released. And I was like, no, like I've done that before. And I, Guess they I do have effects, yeah. which which might be what you're thinking. Like you could like invert colors and blur things before, but maybe. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> really excited about that. Really excited about the memberships. Memberships are pretty cool. I think like I don't have a huge need for them regularly. There have definitely mm-hmm. been a few projects that I'm like that'd be pretty cool, and you haven't actually been needed or, or whatever. You got member stack. Member stack's pretty cool. Member stack's um, great. Member yeah. stack a, a couple times, but. Memberships for us have never like honestly we just haven't like needed a ton. Which yeah. you know, 
oh well, it's not like a common thing. But what I will say with that is I think it's going to open the doors for a lot more functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I haven't been talking to clients. I'm not like, oh yeah, we should actually add this, 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 and this. You got to use member stack because it costs more, blah, blah, blah. But I think if we have that like in our toolbox, I think we'll start using it a lot more. And I think it's going to open the door for a lot of a lot of cool stuff. You know, for us, wh- one of my philosophies, like as a web designer, is your website is so much more than just a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. It can help streamline your operations. It can help streamline your customer interactions. You have the forward facing, like the pre-sale. It could be your quoting system. It could be your project management from a customer standpoint. Like, there's so many things that it can do. And I think memberships will open the doors for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think memberships and logic together are going to be really amazing for that. Um, Yeah. Now we just need some data feed integration and we'll be set. Yes. (laughs) And honestly, like... I keep coming to this thought that Webflow is going to take over the internet. I think they already are, but WordPress is just so big. But the more and more I'm talking to clients that already know what Webflow is. And even a year ago, that wasn't the case. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a recent thing, and I don't know what's happening or when this changed or why, but half the people I talk to now are like, oh, you guys do Webflow sites, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, good. That's what we want. I'm like, wait, you know what Webflow is? Like, the normal people are starting to figure out what Webflow is, and I think that it's going to take over the internet just because it's so, so good. It's amazing. If I have one complaint about Webflow, just so that I'm not only praising them, I think that transparency and also some more communication into future features. Uh, they have a wish list, a public wish list, but it's been neglected. And I feel like... I didn't know they had one, actually. Well, that's how neglected it is. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they have one, and there are so many amazing feature requests on there, and there's just radio silence from Webflow as a company. And and I understand that. I think it's a Silicon Valley type thing. Companies like Apple, right, that are so secretive about things. But I wish that Webflow would be more active in their communication with agencies and stuff like that to make the product better and to iterate the product a little faster. When they come out with features, they're rock solid. But it takes them mm-hmm. forever <laughs> to release new features. Or at least that's how I feel. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't disagree. You know, my my big things with Webflow are like, I can only use it for half my customers, realistically. That's a problem. And what I mean by that is, it's not my go-to for e-commerce. Right. You like, guys use Shopify, right? Yeah. And, and the reason why is like, there's so much missing in Webflow's e-commerce. Like, yeah. so much missing from, like, shipping integrations to, like, your email integrations, right? Stuff like that. Just the payment processors. Like, that's three deal breakers, 100% for 90% of brands. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of stuff, like, that's where I see Webflow. And like, when I talk to a company, they say, hey, I want a website. Okay, cool. What do you do? And they're like, we sell something. I'm like, okay, cool, Shopify. Yep. Or they're like, oh, we need to get more leads. Okay, Webflow. Like, it's that easy. Like, I don't yeah. even think twice about it. There's a little crossover there. There's a couple things you can't do with Shopify. We're actually working on a pretty sweet Webflow e-com site right now. With Shopify backend, it's it's rad. Hmm. Yeah, rad. But like, we'll have to talk about that one offline a, because I'd love to be. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit of how you're doing that on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. I actually ran into a problem with that one too and solved it, but it caught me off guard and kind of scared me for a second. I was like, oh, wasn't expecting <laughs> that. But that kind of stuff is pretty cool. But in general, my philosophy is if you are selling products in your core business is selling products, go to Shopify. If your core business is getting leads and you happen to sell merch on the side, Webflow is great. Right. So, yeah, yeah. man, Web, Webflow, is, Webflow is crazy. The number of people I talk to about it, more, more and more people know about it. One thing for any other agency listening to this, for us at least, when, going back to our, our inbound strategy for a sec, talking about Webflow SEO-wise is huge. Because a lot of people are reaching out to us now. They're like, oh, I saw your I saw your article or your resource about such and such for Webflow or, or this thing in Webflow or something like that. Like, that's a pretty normal conversation. Webflow is very popular. There's a lot of Webflow agencies out there. But there's a lot more WordPress agencies out there. And so if someone's having a hard time with WordPress, 
they're probably looking for something else. Chances are they're probably going to stumble on Webflow. And they're going to look for a Webflow agency. You have a pretty good shot of getting that compared to if you're trying to sell the WordPress site. Yeah. So do you find yourself having a lot of success with landing pages built specifically with Webflow as a inbound source for search? I post one every week. Really? I need to start doing that. Okay. Because um, and, and do you get a lot of traffic to those? Like, are a lot of people searching for Webflow specifically? Webflow agency? Yeah. I mean, I, so let me rephrase that. I try to post one every week. Sometimes I get busy and I don't. <laughs> Goes back to why I need to hire a sales team so that they can do the sales stuff and I can focus on that stuff. Which we didn't really even talk about, like inbound strategies or something. Maybe, maybe we'll have a podcast number two. Well, yeah, we need to. <laughs> we, we should. We, we can talk inbound strategies next time. But uh, yeah, so. With our, our inbound, I mean, a lot of it comes down to like SEO. A lot of that's content writing, new content, new pages. And a lot of that does come down to either resources, like our, our resource library, not not to toot my own horn or anything, but our, our resource library is pretty rad. It's a really good spot for number one, SEO. We get a lot of traffic to our blogs. But it's also just like really good information. Like going back to that competition thing, like I just, I tell all our secrets and our resources. I don't hold anything back. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know. Some are more hypothetical, some are more like concepts, and some of them are like nitty gritty, like do this, do this, do this, do this. And so with that, a lot of it does come down to Webflow because like, I, I want to talk about Webflow. I want to talk about Webflow for people. And I, I, I think about the same thing with Shopify. So I, I posted a resource on last Friday. I, I did it on vacation slash work and vacation. I did it. I, I worked. But I had this post and it's something along the lines of like how to make an NFT website or mm. something like that. So huge nft fan for anyone listening to this who's into nfts and you want to make your own nft project webflow is probably going to be the best platform for that because of how custom you can go with it without having to hard code anything so fun fact there but that mostly didn't have anything to do with webflow but there's a little bit of webflow sprinkled in there and so that's kind of stuff like if someone's looking for how to make an nft project website they're going to see this and not yet. I mean, I literally just posted it, so no one's really seen it yet. But if someone does see that, they're gonna be like, oh, this is perfect. This is the exact information I need. Oh, I should use Webflow. But hmm. Right there. There's and that not only should I, I use Webflow, but 253 Media might be the perfect business to make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so there's that kind of stuff. There's also why Webflow is perfect for this. The more specific you can be with it, number one, the right person's going to find it. It's not broad. Number two, you're not necessarily competing with big, you know, SEO terms. Cool. Number three, at the end of the day, we're trying to get in front of the right people to get more business. We're also just trying to help those people, right? That's why we're agencies. We're, we're here to help businesses. And my goal is to get in front of that person. If they want to work with me, great. If not, great. Don't care. I mean, I do care, but that, that's not the point of the resource. I mean... SEO-wise, like, just get the information out there. And people are searching for that kind of stuff, right? They're looking for Webflow agencies now. And quite frankly, a little inbound secret here, it works, man. As an agency, talk about posting Webflow content. I don't need to sell you on Webflow. If someone's looking for a Webflow agency, they're looking for a Webflow. They're not just looking for a website agency. They, yeah. they know exactly what they want, and they are a very, 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 very warm lead compared to website agency. Yep, totally. Webflow agency, Salt Lake City, that person's ready to buy. They just need to find the right one. Yep, yep. You're right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I, I... Man, I can tell we could talk for hours. I'm so happy to be able to talk to a fellow web designer, not only just a fellow web designer, but a fellow website and web flow designer, because... It's just so much fun. I mean, this is my world and this is the thing that I do day in and day out. So it's been awesome, man. And you're right. We need to do another one of these. We'll Give do it a more f- of like an agency growth one or some something like that. Where Ooh, that, that'd we be talk about some growth strategies for other agencies. I'm sure a lot of, I mean, that's, that's the question everyone asks. Like, how do you, how do you get more business? Like we can list up. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. But before I let you go, go ahead and let people know where they can find you. Obviously, we've talked about your agency, 253 Media. What's the best place to to find you if they want to reach out, ask any follow-up questions or anything like that? Yeah, 253media.com is a huge one. Obviously, if you you know go there, you'll see all of our work. Check out our resources. The resources are going to be huge. There's a lot. So head over to 253media.com or just send me a message. I mean, my handle on everything is just at 
nreed253, so Nicholas Reed nreed253 on everything. So yeah, send me a message if you have a question about Webflow, growing your agency, any of that fun stuff. Always want to chat, as you guys know now. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and yeah. we'll definitely keep chatting. I got your cell phone number, so we'll talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I, ho- I hope so, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. No problem. Thank you, and I am so happy. I think we provided a lot of value today, so have a I good hope night. So. See ya. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. This podcast has been a production of Website Squirrel. Find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or visit our website at websitesquirrel.com. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. If you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.